Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Weekends were made for sports. Now do the robot voice. I want to hear it again. Meet more sharp robot. That's a terrible robot voice. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. Everyone, meet freelance alien bounty hunter, Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp? The football guy? Yeah, I hunt aliens now. Used to catch TDs, now I catch ETs. You ever caught an alien, Shannon? Not yet, Mr. Question, but I'll let you know when I do. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. Where are the turtles? Where are the turtles? Come on, guys, get out of here. Where are the turtles? And Rashad Taylor. Nobody calls me Lebowski. You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude, man. On 1080 The Fan. Hour 2 of 2 here on Sports Sunday. Mike Rashad, Jesse with you until 11 o'clock. If you missed any of the first hour, Les Schwab Tires podcast on 1080thefan.com and the radio.com app. If you'd like to listen back, that's where this hour will be as well after the show. We got Hated or Love It coming up at 1030. And uh, a funny note about being offered money to move seats on a plane. But we will begin this hour with the fall from grace that the Oregon Ducks took basketball-wise on Thursday this past week. So Bull Bull, Lou King, Kenny Wooten were all in the draft. Bull Bull projected lottery pick, or at least for sure a first-round pick. That's what everyone was saying. Lou King, I had seen anywhere from 20 to 40, but that's solidly being drafted. I didn't see Kenny Wooten on any of the lists, to be honest with you, maybe as, as like a very late pick, if at all, or just a free agent signing. But what transpired on Thursday was quite different. Bull Bull, who was there in the green room with some really stupid spiderweb suit thing on. Yeah, I didn't get it. I didn't I didn't understand. My, my favorite was that I saw that he was dressed as a Spider-Man villain. Yeah, he was. He was dressed as a Spider-Man villain. I didn't get it. But he fell not just out of the lottery, but out of the first round completely. And got drafted 44th overall by the Miami Heat, who then instantly traded him to the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets did not have a draft pick this year, so their draft pick is Bull Bull. Now, with Bull Bull, there were two massive red flags for him from what came about in the combine process, the interview process, all of that. Number one was the injury, right? He suffered a foot injury. He's a big man who suffered a foot injury in college. It's never good. So I'm sure he's supposed to be healthy now, but I'm sure the red flag of a foot injury for a big man was there. But number two, and we've been hearing this since even before he got to Oregon, is does he love the game? Does he actually want to be playing basketball? Or is he playing basketball because he's the son of a Newt Bull, 
and he's really tall and he has some skills. And if that was what most teams kind of gauged in the interview process, then I'm going to go ahead and say that Bull Bull doesn't love basketball and he's just playing because he's tall and, and pretty good and he's the son of a basketball player. And for a big guy who's going to be a bit of a project because of how slight he is. Now he can shoot the ball, obviously, and he's got skills. He's, he's talented. Let's, let's not push that under the rug just because he fell in the draft. But if you have injury issues and you're kind of a unique player that doesn't necessarily have a spot in the NBA or, or teams are unsure how they're going to fit you into their team and you don't like to play the game, yeah, I'm not drafting you. I'm not taking that risk. And literally every team, some teams twice, said, yeah, I'm good. Up until the 44th pick. Yeah, um, I mean, listen, and, and you know about this, Lynch, and Jesse might as, might uh, know about it as well. When you're tall, nobody ever asks about your grades. They never ask what other interests you have. Uh, they don't ask you if you what music you like. If you're tall, the first question you get is, do you play basketball? Do you play football? See that? I and I'm not sure if that that this is my reality. You know, I, this I is this, that or football. Yeah. So it's like exactly when you're a big guy, do you do you play this? Nobody ever asks like, you like poetry or do you you know what do you, what are your other interests? And if you're bowl bowl, you've been playing basketball since you were a kid. You're Manute Bowl's son. Everybody continues to, you know, let you know about your your famous dad, your legendary father for the most part. I think that can weigh on a kid, you know, a whole lot. So I think there's that, and then there's the fact that man. You've been hooping for your entire life. And I think, and I, I could be wrong, but Bobo's probably not broke as far as, you know, what what is what his dad left behind, you know, what he was able all to do. All that money that he made. I mean, yeah. all that uh, great grades he got in his freshman Of course. Year. Yeah. No, but I mean, just as a family, you know, I'm not sure what, what Bobo's family had left from you know, so I don't want to assume or anything like that. But if he was, you know, well off, it's probably not as important to him, you know, just to to go through the motions. So when you talk to people, it's like uh, I like basketball, like this, but it's not life. Like what? And I'm always curious. So what do you want me to say? Like what's more important, basketball or food? Like I mean, I guess I guess basketball. Like I mean, if I say food, I feel like that's the wrong answer. Well, I don't know. I, I think it's less about what you what you are what they want you to say or what you think you should say. I just think there should be a passion that kind of comes across when you talk about the sport that you play. I mean, you, I, I know there are some players who don't love the game that much that still go out and make a career out of it because they're really stinking good. I'm, I'm sure that's happened. But if you've committed this many hours, the 10,000, 100,000 hours thing to one sport and you don't like it, you're not making it this far. I, I can tell you this. Having worked with a lot of students, go to a lot of AAU tournaments, most of those kids would rather be doing anything else than playing basketball. Right. I think that's a that's, large... That's, that's for sure a thing. Like, I have a young lady who is uh, at least 5'9", you know, as a, as, a, as a young girl. She's been playing basketball her whole life. You know, parents are, are big uh, basketball players, almost legendary players in the town. And she's like, I don't, I don't want to play. I'm done playing. I don't want to spend my weekends in a tournament, in a van going to Las Vegas, like, I don't want to do that. I want to enjoy my summer. I want to enjoy my time. And if you spent your entire life on the AAU circuit since you were in fourth grade or fifth grade or whenever you start being really competitive right around fourth, fifth, sixth grade, um, and then have to go to – I think some people just get burnt out. And and, and Bull strikes me as one of those guys that just, I play because it's fun. Like, now it's just not fun anymore. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying, though, is I, I know that – I mean, I was – 
trust me, I was nowhere near good enough to be a, a college baseball player or anything. But I played baseball in high school, and I played baseball my whole life. I By the end of my junior year, early senior year of high school, I was burnt out. Because you're doing fall ball, summer ball, and the spring season, and you're training in the winter. It's baseball all year round. And at the end of the day, I was just – I was – exhausted of baseball but my whole point is players who make the nba and are really good college players i want to say for the most part i know that there are exceptions love the game of basketball Mm -hmm. you don't put that many hours in and play that well and keep grinding it out over and over and over again if you do not have some love for the game Mm -hmm. and there are exceptions like bull bull now made the nba and I'm going to just go ahead and say it just because it's what we've been hearing. He doesn't love the game of basketball, um, but he's talented enough to make the game. But that is a huge red flag because any time that you run into an issue, whether it's mental or physical or just skill-based at all, and you don't love it enough to push through it, that's going to give you a big disadvantage. You know who else didn't love to play? Greg Oden. Greg Oden was just lucky enough to say that I was, I was tall and people thought I could play, and I didn't start playing until a couple of years ago, and, you know, here I am, you know, so I think there's a, a real thing. Everybody assumes that everyone in the NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, hockey, that they all love the game. You know, we have to realize that this is a job for a lot of people. If you play for Sacramento or if you play for a, a, one of the bottom feeding teams in the league, I'm sure a lot of time, a lot of those guys are playing for the check that they get, you know, every game, not necessarily the love of the game. I think once guys are on winning in winning situations, that's when the love of the game becomes uh, something that they really strive for, and I, I don't, I don't know that for sure. That's just kind of what I think, you know. But I think Bowl Bowl is one of those guys. Is just he's played basketball. It's fun for him. I think he appreciates what the game has done for him and what the positions put him in. Being seven foot two is definitely a big help. But at the end of the day, I don't, I, I could be wrong, but it doesn't seem like he loves to play uh, to play basketball. All right, we got a break coming up next. Luke King fell. Completely out of the draft, and still, I've been keeping an eye, have not seen him sign a free agent contract. What on earth went wrong with Luke King's decision? And is there any way to make it so that it's fixable? That's next here on Sports on the Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Ten nineteen Sunday morning, Sports Sunday with you. Just a little bit, about 40 minutes left in the show for us today. Hate it or love, it's coming up next. We're talking Oregon's fall in the NBA draft this past week. Just finished discussing Bull Bull. A couple of texts on the text line. Bull has, you know, some screws holding his foot bones together. That's a red flag, too. Yeah, I mentioned that at the beginning. The injury is also, that's why I said he has two big red flags. He says he's healthy, and he's, I'm assuming, playing, and he looks fine. But you don't want to risk foot injuries this early in a young man. And are you really going to say before the draft, no, I'm still hurt? I wouldn't draft me if you could. No, like, do you remember last year, Michael Porter Jr., I'm healthy, I'm ready to play. You know, his back's not an issue and didn't play all year. So he played one game, got hurt again. Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say that somebody advised him to say, yeah, don't tell him. And wasn't he drafted by the 
same team, the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, the Nuggets doing reclamation projects. Hey, and, and, hey and, the Michael Porter thing could be great for them because yes, they're sir. already a good team, and they're going to get a guy who is, at least out of high school, supposed to be one of the best players we've seen in a long time, back healthy this year. I, uh, Michael Porter. They're talking a lot about him right now. He's doing, you know, under-the-legs dunks at practice. <laughs> you know, he's doing under-the-legs dunks at practice on people. Like, he was ready to play in the in the playoffs, but I, I guess, you know, for whatever reason, they didn't want to activate him, which makes a lot of sense. But Michael Porter Jr. was my favorite player in last year's draft, and I think he's going to be amazing for the Nuggets. So if Bol Bol can work out, then, pff, I mean, hell, man, that, that well, could be same, really good for the them. the same thing I was talking about with the Blazers' picks is you take a high-risk, high-reward thing, right? Porter was dropping in the draft because of his injuries, and – Nuggets say, yeah, we'll, we'll take a risk on them because of where they pick. I think they picked him around the same range, right, 25-ish? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Bull Bull, I mean, that was an extreme drop for him. And the Nuggets didn't even have a pick in this draft. And they're like, ah, oh, we should get into this draft and get a young player. And, oh, why not? You know, we, we got we got Jokic, and he is a great, rare big man. Bull Bull can also be a great, rare big man. Maybe we can figure out how to, how to make him work as well. Well, it's, it's when you're a, a team like that. Blazers, I think, included in this situation is that that is – that that's the perfect type of guy to take when when you're a young team you already have tons of talent and you have a little bit of room on the back end of your bench for something that's like man two years down the road this guy could be the guy to really take this team that's really good western conference finals caliber good and take us to the next level uh, that's that's what you have to do when you're a team like Denver, Portland, and you're in a smaller market and you're not in a big, attractive market like New York or LA. That was the key. Yeah, is if you if you know you're not going to get most free agents, you got to take risks in the draft to get cheap, good talent that will help keep you in the playoff hunt if that's where you want to go. So Luke King also falls completely out of the draft. He was projected from where I saw in some mock drafts, late first to mid second. But that seems pretty safe, right? You see, if you're seeing that on mock drafts, that seems like a safe place to be. I did see some people reporting that King was climbing draft boards as well, you know, getting close to maybe the teams in in some of the reports that I was reading. And he has not gotten drafted. And I keep checking. I'm going to double check now just in case I missed something. He has not signed as a free agent with an NBA team either. And... Yeah, I still don't see anything about him signing as a free agent. So the Luke King thing is really interesting to me. So he was a really highly rated prospect at a high school. He had the injury that forced him to miss most or part of the beginning of the season, came back around, what was it, December when he first came back, November, December. And he was a little bit inconsistent, but he, he showed signs. He showed flashes. And, hell, players have gotten drafted for a lot worse than showing flashes of your elite talent in a limited time. Right, you just look at the Darius Garland guy who got drafted mm-hmm. fifth overall. He played five games. Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, Irving played what eleven games, seven or, games or less. Yeah, he just barely played for Duke. Got drafted. Um, wasn't he number one overall? Too? He was. So you've seen a lot worse in terms of playing games and, and all that kind of stuff, and, and not being able to fully show your potential. But I was floored that Luke King fell out of the draft, and I'm floored that no team assigned him as a free agent. And I just. I don't understand how the advice he got was that bad to leave Oregon after one year and you're not even on a team right now. That that just – we've seen it before, but I just still don't understand how you could be that wrong when making that decision. I'm curious as to who gave them all the bad advice. You know, like Bol Bol 
okay, you knew about the injury and you knew that he'd probably fall in the draft because a lot of teams are scared of that. Um, Lou King, uh, ugh, none of us saw that coming. Like at that very at the very most, I figured Lou King would fall between that twenty four to thirty range. You know, right towards the end of the draft, that's where he'll he'll be picked up. And when he didn't, it was like okay, second round for sure. He'll go early second round. He'll go to a competitor. And that didn't happen. Like I think we all understand the the Wooten thing. Like Wooten was is a is a is a a good defensive big man in college right now. You know he was but, he was alley oops in defense. Yeah, way. but but you know in the NBA you you don't get as many alley oops, and you know if if you're not a long defender then you have very little place there. And then you know Wooten's a guy that averages six points, and then the se- his second year he averaged like six and a half. So. Not a whole lot of upside offensively there, and at least some. At least with Jordan Bell, you could at least he can score the ball at points around the rim. You know, you've seen that for the Warriors. Um, not so much the case for Wooten. So nobody's really surprised that Wooten didn't get drafted. King though is the one that that's the one eyebrow raiser that kind of says, "Dang!" And I think a, we have to remember too, man. I'm I'm looking. I don't see how many Pac-12 guys were drafted. I know the uh, uh, the kid from Washington. You know, uh, end up going. But how many Pac-12 guys went in the first round? Uh, I will do a quick little uh, look. You know, and, and, a, and a Pac-12 this year that had, what, two teams in the tournament? Ariz- was it Arizona and and Oregon? They had three teams. Three teams, excuse me. So, again, so so three of your 12 teams were in the tournament, so there that means there's nine other bottom feeders that weren't able to do anything. So I think there's – there were two Pac-12 players drafted in the first round. Matisse Tybel from Washington went mm-hmm. to the Sixers at number 20. He was actually tied to the Blazers quite a bit. And then uh, Kevin Porter Jr. took went with the last pick of the first round to the Cavs, 30th overall. Beyond that, um, we got Gonzaga players going, but that was not Pac-12. No. So Brandon Clark and Hachimura went. You know, we have, to, we have to remember that the Pac-12 wasn't overly competitive and hasn't been for the past couple of years. So... I think it's going to take some time for them to really rebuild their reputation as as a basketball, you know, kind of juggernaut. But, I mean, Oregon had three guys, and Peyton Pritchard was smart and said, yeah, I'm not going to go this year. We're, there were we'll four be guys fine. in the second round from the Pac-12 drafted. So six total Pac-12 players drafted. Well, I, I think it's interesting that you have a, a, a guy like King who didn't get drafted. He hasn't been signed yet um, to any sort of, like, free agency contract. Um, and specifically in a place like Portland, you know, we love our local guys. And so that just seems like it would be a great, just flat out PR move for a guy that has shown flashes of talent and something that's kind of gone under the radar that nobody's really talked about and justifiably so, cause it's not really a big deal, but the Blazers did sign another player to a two-way contract out of college after the draft and Jalen Horde. We, we just haven't really heard about it because it's not really sexy. It's 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 a guy that doesn't really have any offensive skill. He's a good rebounder, kind of can play defense, but outside of that, he's he's got a seven foot wingspan, and that's about it. And you're just going, man, we got this guy that's literally right down I five that everybody loves to watch. That is in a position that we all need. He's got a lot of the physical abilities coming out of. Uh, out of high school, really touted, showed flashes, and he's still just kind of sitting out there. That's what I'm, where I'm really confused. Why we signed Jalen Horde to a two-way contract and King's still out there? Uh, man, look, there's a reason for it. I don't, we don't, we don't hear all the the reasons that teams pass on guys in the draft. But if he fell that far and still hasn't signed with somewhere, there was a red flag somewhere. Maybe it was 
his personality. Maybe it was something completely different. We have no idea. I, I kind of wish that there were ways and rules that could allow these players who don't get drafted to choose if they want to go back to college or not. Just because I think it would help the college game because a lot of good players wind up not getting drafted. So they could go back to school and that would help the college game. And then they get better and then get drafted and that helps them when they get to the NBA. I'm all, I've talked about this a bunch before. I'm all for making both the NBA and college basketball better. And in order to do so, I think you need to get more experienced players, more, more talented players leaving college into the NBA. That means ending the one and done rule and making it like a two or three and done rule. So they get more experience in college, which helps that game and keeps them there longer. And then they're better when they get to the NBA, which helps that game. But I don't think that's ever going to happen. It's just what I want. But if there's any any way that guys who don't get drafted could return to college, I feel like that'd be a saving grace for a lot of guys. Absolutely. Per- personally, I had for my team, Syracuse, two guys. Both The only two players who went into the draft for Syracuse did not get drafted. Tyus Badaloche, Brissett. Both could have come back. Tyus would have been a senior. Brissett would have been a junior. I'd love if they would decide to come back. They might not. They might still want to just go play overseas and make money, and that could be their mm-hmm. choice, and that's fine. But to have that option would be great for all parties involved, See, that's, I feel like. That's too much, you know, leeway for the, for NCAA. They've just kind of opened it up to say, okay, well, you know, you, you can you can possibly come back to school as long as you don't hire an agent. You can go test your draft stock and everything as long as you don't hire an agent. That was the step that they felt like would be helpful as far as, you know, the whole draft thing. Like, the draft, is a, it's a lottery. It's a, it's a crapshoot, you know, because you could very well go in there thinking you're going to be a lottery pick, and then you fall all the way to the 25th pick of the draft or more than that you could go in knowing you're a lottery pick for the past four years all we talked about is bowl bowl coming to the nba and being a lottery pick and you don't get drafted until the middle of the second round like you know these these things can happen i think that's you just got to be aware of that when you're leaving school only leave when you know for sure i think that's my big thing when you're Lou king and you're there you're wooten like who told you you should go to the league that's 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 what i want to know i was like who did you talk to that told you Man, you're going to be a first-round pick. I've talked to seven franchises at the in the middle of the draft, at the end of the draft, and they all say that you are somebody that's on their board. Like, how do you get it that wrong? Like, I, that's that's my thing. It's like, man, there's only sixty people, you know, or thirty people invited to the draft in the first place, and so, and then you add an, extra, an additional thirty that were invited to the combine and all type of stuff. So, who who told you that you were going to be drafted, and why did you listen to that? Well, with with Kings in Kings example, like it wasn't just probably his agent that was telling him that he was going 15 to, to 44. This is like mock drafts all over the place. Like he was expected to be drafted at some point. So, I mean, I don't think that was necessarily a bad idea. Wooten was just flat out a bad idea. If Pritchard would have left, that just would have flat out been a bad idea. Just unrealistic expectations or of, of where you're at as a basketball player. But like to bring these kids back after they leave the draft the NCAA would have just have these gigantic checks and balances and boxes for them to check off like, okay, well, you've obviously probably um, skipped a bunch of schooling, you know, for, for draft purposes, going to all these things. So you're going to have to make up credits. You're, and it'd probably have to be like, okay, you're going to come back. You have to be committed to this school for the next three years. You You can't leave for the NBA draft before you're a senior, stuff like that, where – it would have to be really big commitments on the students' part in order to come back from college and where they probably would just end up going and playing overseas anyways. Just having the choice, though, would be helpful, and maybe someone would want to go back to, to their original school. Uh, all right, 
Let's get to hate it or love it. That is next, but first, Jesse has sports. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. All right, Jesse. What you got for us today? Oh, yeah. We got lots and lots of time. Thanks for putting that back, by the way. That's uh, nice of you. Um, Well. Sneezing. Oh. Isn't that that adorable? These are some of the most silent sneezes I've ever heard. Oh, I'm trying so hard not to make a lot of noise, bro. I mean, you can make a regular sneeze. You're a human well, being. Oh, we are live on air. Haven't you ever heard he's... Isaac Ropp? Yeah, he's, he makes man, his Michael Jackson sneezes. He's famous. Like, he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> what do you mean? Yes, I'm not quite there yet, so I've got to be silent with my sneeze. Hey, bro, you were on a reality radio show. I was. I was on season one. Just saying. I was on season one of the show. Yeah, Big so. deal. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's the, that's a weird thing that people go through. It's like... You're a human being. If you sneeze, you sneeze, okay? It's going to go over the microphone. I, I cannot sneeze quietly. I'm very impressed by the fact that you're not making any noise. Well, you know, uh, I, I'm usually around a lot of people when I have these weird allergy attacks. And so, yeah, I try to keep it to a minimum. Marie's yelling into the radio right now about how I'm the loudest sneezer in the world. And it's it hurts her ears. And yeah, I don't want to be them. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be Jesse. So Yeah, I'm pretty. <laughs> I let it out, man. I just go through sneeze fits. I'll usually have like ten or twelve sneezes, and then finally. That's that's usually how it goes. It's just a, a few a few in a row, and then I won't do it for the rest of the day. Yeah, if I let it out, it'll be like two. If I do the little tiny sneezes, it's ten. So I just let it out. All right, sorry. Sneeze, sneeze talk, hot sneeze talk. My bad. Um, it, there's going to be some NFL in here, just so we can mix things up. But I figure, I guess, palate cleanser. We'll start off with the NBA before we do the palate cleanser. Or do you want to do the palate cleanser and then the NBA? Whatever you want, sir. This is, uh, you are running this shit. All right, let's do the palate cleanser at the end, you know. Um, so we'll stick with the NBA. We've, we've, uh, kind of obviously, um, talked a bit of Blazers today and our, our new additions and, you know, um, up and comers. And one of them being Anthony Simons and expected to have a larger role next year. And, you know, literally, uh, Single-handedly got the Blazers the three spot last season. Just, just saying, already, already uh, has made some um, waves in Blazer mania. And with that said, love or hate, Anthony Simons will average 18 minutes a game next season. Now, that's I'm, really, really hard to answer without knowing what they're going to do in free agency. But, yes, it is. Uh, not that they can do much, just saying. Well, but they can make a trade, you know. I get once the official season opens, I guess, is when you see all the movement. Um, uh, I'm gonna say hate just because I feel like it'll be a little bit under that. Um, but he'll get his minutes, and I think you're gonna see if he starts to play well, they'll gradually increase throughout the throughout the season. But I, I think what you've learned about Terry Stotts over his time coaching this team is he is very cautious about playing really young guys a lot in games. Um, It's only ever if there is a drastic need due to injury that he will play guys big minutes 
in games. You've seen it with almost all of the draft picks that have been lower end draft picks. Hell, even Myers Leonard. You know, it takes Leonard, Collins, Swanigan barely played. Uh, Simons barely played last year. Um, you know, in the first year, Alan Crabb barely played when they drafted him. It takes a while for Stoss to trust these guys to put him into the rotation. So I think you might see Simons maybe get like 12, 13, 14 minutes early in the season, especially if they need someone to play backup to behind CJ. But that might increase. But I'll say I'll say hate just because it takes a while under Stoss. I'll say love uh, just because, you know, for a fact, you're going to be losing uh, two guys that gave you significant minutes and uh, Seth Curry and and Rodney Hood. So you're going to have to have somebody to come in and fill that void. Uh, and I think the player that's probably the one that he's probably going to take over for would probably be a Seth Curry. How many minutes is Seth Curry uh, average for the 2018-19 season? 18.9. 18.9. So if he's going to come in there and fill that void, I think that's perfect for a guy like Anthony Simons, about the same size, about the same type of game, can be a jump shooter, but probably uh, able to score a little more inside than uh, – than somebody like Seth Curry was. Uh, I think Simons is going to be a, a really good addition. Again, I keep harping back to C.J. McCollum. C.J. starting as a Blazer, again, didn't get, didn't get a lot of minutes at first, but gradually he got more and more. He was more. also hurt. He was also hurt. You know, that first year he had the, his ankle or foot or something like that. But he was able to work himself into the lineup and, and end up end up with 12 minutes and then 15 minutes and then eventually become the starter. So I think Anthony Simons is going to be in that same mold. He's going to be a guy that hopefully, if he grows a little more, can be possibly a three and D guy even on defense for you, uh, guarding some of the smaller guards. So I absolutely love it. All right, yeah, no, uh, you hit that uh, that magical number for me, uh, the eighteen point nine. I'm assuming that's what you looked up before you posed the question. It is, yes. So, um, yeah, no, I I have heard that you know from multiple uh, journalists that cover the Blazers that they expect Anthony to basically take over Seth Curry's minutes, and then you take out Hood as well. You know, it's quite possible. You know, average is eighteen to twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, and. Uh, let's stick with one more Blazers question. Interesting. Um, now there's been a lot of talk about Aminu. Should we keep him? Should we let him go? He's kind of our three Hate guy. It. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hate it. We, we drafted little in the draft, obviously, um, really high upside. Weren't expecting to get a guy of that caliber at 25 love or hate. We're, um, the Blazers are going to part ways with Amino this off season. Um, God, these are tough knowing what we know. The, right. I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm going to go ahead and say love because I think they're going to play the market and see what is out there for Aminu. Now, if Aminu doesn't demand a lot of attention, a lot of money, and they can get him back for a similarly affordable deal that they've had him on for the last four years, then I think he returns to be a blazer because he is useful as a player. He's a very good defender. He can hit the three. He's gotten more consistent and better at the three over his time with the team. And he fits the culture of the team and and the players here like him a lot. So if he's in an affordable range, I think they will bring him back. But I honestly think Al Farouk has done a lot for himself these last four years to become at least a medium grade kind of asset that that teams are going to look at this year. Uh, we talked about it earlier. You, you said the Lakers were mentioned with Alpha Rukamina. You heard on a national show. There are a lot of teams that need three and D guys, right? That's a very, very important position in this year's game. He's not the best three-point shooter, but he can shoot the three, and he is a good defender. He might demand more than the Blazers are willing to pay him. So I'll say love that he'll be on a different team. 
Oh, I absolutely love that Aminu will be on a different team. Uh, National Perspective says that Aminu is a great player, and Aminu is somebody that can really help out a lot of teams. I've heard him attached to the Lakers uh, as somebody that can go in there and be a guy that can help out LeBron and help out Anthony Davis kind of fill out their roster. We look at Aminu, and it's easy to brag on him, and I'm I'm – the one that's most guilty of it uh, because you see all the holes and you see where they're messed up. Like I was talking to Lynch about, like, he looks at his Yankees and he sees all the the flaws they have. We look at the Yankees and know it's the damn Yankees, bro. Like, they're they're going to be in the mix all the time. And I think that's how a lot of people look at a, a, a versatile player, really, in a lot of ways that, like, Aminu is. Um, but I think Blazer fans have grown tired and grown a little impatient with waiting for Aminu to really be the guy that we think he could be. And uh, you you draft a guy like Nazir Little and shows that you're trying to uh, really make that turn. So I think Aminu might be on his last legs with the Blazers. I'm certainly hoping that's the case. But, uh, yeah, I don't think we'll see number eight uh, with the Aminu on the back anymore. All right. We'll uh, do an NFL one here. Uh, currently, uh, we got uh, Rashad with a two-point lead heading into the final. Well, round. all right. Um. All right. So through the first four years of uh, his career, uh, oh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Jarvis Landry has the most catches for a wide receiver to start their career for the first four seasons. Love or hate, Jarvis Landry will have more catches this season than teammate Odell Beckham Jr. Ooh. Landry has only been in the league for four years at this point. Yeah, it feels like way longer. This is Odell's yeah. what fifth. Yeah, this is his fifth. Yeah. That's crazy. I, I would have thought that Landry had been in the league for way longer than that. Yeah, very, it's like four years, 486 catches, something like that. Oh, I'm, I love 100%. I love this. Jarvis Landry is a catch machine. He is the type of receiver. He runs the type of routes that lead to high catch seasons. Is he better than Odell Beckham Jr.? No, but he's more like Julian Edelman in that kind of a role. He's a slot receiver who's always running underneath routes, and he gets open a lot. He has really good hands. I mean, he's been on teams with really, really shoddy quarterback play and has still set the record for most catches in four years on the Dolphins and on the Browns. Remember who his quarterbacks were? Ryan Tannehill. You had Matt Moore for a little bit there. Trash, trash. You had uh, a bunch of bad Browns quarterbacks before they finally settled on Baker Mayfield last year. So to me, he is just a catch machine. This is his role in the NFL. He is a great player to have on your team because he's always open and he's quick. And he's got great hands. So, yeah, he'll he'll have way more catches than Beckham. Beckham will probably have more targets, but it's harder to get a guy like Beckham uh, those kind of catches when you're going deep and there's double coverages on him. So I'll say love. Uh, I'm going to say love as well. Um, I think Jarvis Landry has been – he's really one of the more underrated receivers in the league. Like, nobody ever really brings his name up. And they probably shouldn't if you start talking about top five. But when you get into that top seven, eight, nine range, Jarvis Landry's name should definitely be there. I think Baker Mayfield, he already have a bit of a rapport. They've been playing together for a year. Baker Mayfield was able to have his coming out party last year. And a lot of that was because uh, of the play of Jarvis Landry and how good he was. Now, there were some points that, that the stats won't show it, you know, all the way. But Jarvis Landry, if you, if you had him on fantasy, he probably irritated you. But during the games, he was actually a very helpful receiver. I think he'll have more catches. I think Odell will have more yards and more touchdowns than him. Odell is one of those guys that, again, once he, he takes a three-yard slant for a 60-yard touchdown, no problem. And that's really how the, the the type of player that he is. Landry's more of a possession guy. So you get him the ball, he's going to be able to make uh, something happen from there. So for that reason, especially coming across the middle, uh, uh, some some screen and bubble routes, I expect Jarvis Landry to be the one to take a lot of those. So I love that he's going to have more catches. I think Odell will have more yards and touchdowns, though. 
All right, Rashad wins, I know. <sighs> you can go ahead and officially tell us, though. It's all good. Yeah, you're up by two, and you had a good round. Yeah, you, you got it. It's actually technically a tie. What? Whoa. Yeah, no, he, uh, Mike had a really good round. Come you, on, you guys Jesse. want a, a lightning round here? Like a yes or no question? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> super quick. I mean, we're at 1048. So technically, this is not the latest we'd be getting out. I know. You know what? We're Go for it. a tie. This isn't soccer. Do we have to break? Man. And I want to talk about Cam Newton. Man, lightning round. Okay, fine. We'll, we'll call no, it out. Okay, fine. I don't like round? it. Lightning round. Do it. All right. Here we I, go. I feel the pressure. <clears throat> Uh, we see in a trend in the last couple of years uh, in the NFL with a uh, second quarterback making it onto the field. It's kind of more of a resurgence. Not necessarily the Wildcat, but uh, two QBs getting on the field. Love or hate, we are going to see a trend of two B- QBs getting on the field over the next couple of years beyond just the one or two teams that have done it. Uh, I'll say love because we're getting more and more physically gifted quarterbacks that are coming out of college that are going to be able to run plays like Taysom Hill does with the Saints where he can play receiver, he can still throw the ball, he can play running back, and they can kind of put him all over the field and get him involved. That didn't seem fair, but, uh, yeah, I've, I've, <laughs> I don't know. I hate it. It seems kind of gimmicky. Uh, I think a lot of times defenses know exactly what's going to happen when that uh, when that quarterback comes in the game for the Wildcat or whatever the case is. You can line him up. If you got a guy like Cordell Stewart, you can line him up as a receiver or something like that, then yes, but otherwise you're it's, it's gimmicky and people are going to pick up on it after week five. All right. Our winner is Mike Lynch. You're a jerk. <laughs> that doesn't seem fair, he You're says. You're a jerk. All right, coming up next, Cam Newton did something today that I think most normal human beings would have said yes to, but this person did not. This is Sports Sunday on the Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. I'm protesting this last segment. I should have been the winner. You want to talk about this, though. I know you do. Absolutely, you I want to talk about it. It's a funny story. So, you know what we didn't get to talk about? I'm sorry. Not to, not to, we didn't talk about Kyrie and the fake call to, uh, the, was it a Boston radio station? And talk about how I didn't hear yeah, about Kyrie that. calls in as a listener and basically says how Boston, the city, never really embraced Kyrie. And well, they never it, really did. No, they, they didn't, but Kyrie is he's hard to embrace, though. But, okay, go ahead. So I'm not 100% sure. It's a fairly big flight, just looking at the video. But Cam Newton, on this flight, walks up to a guy who's in an extra legroom seat, not exit row, extra legroom, and asks if he would accept $1,500 to switch seats with him on this seat. And the guy says no. Now, as someone who often has to purchase extra legroom seats because otherwise I feel like I'm dying, it's not that ex- it's not that much more expensive. You get an extra legroom seat, it's like 60, 70 extra bucks. It's, I mean, it's a lot of money, but it's not crazy. If someone offered me 1500 bucks and I was doing a long flight for extra legroom, hell yeah, I'm taking the 1500 Absolutely, because that's probably the, the price the price of your ticket, depending on where you're going. I, where was the flight to? That's I, an I important don't, question. I don't know where the flight was Because to. if this was an international flight, then I could understand my man saying no. Uh, like, if, you, if you're going oh, to... It's a 10-hour flight. Yeah, so probably not. Like, do I really want to be uncomfortable for 10 hours and... 
you know, sit in the middle seat? Like, where was Cam's seat at? Cam's seat was two rows behind him and on the other side of the plane. Uh, you watch him sit down. So I think this, you know how these planes have little segments where there's little bathrooms? Of course. The front row has extra leg room, so he was trying to get into that front row of that section of the plane, and he was in the third or fourth row, but on the other side of the plane. So was it was it a window seat? Was it an aisle seat? It was seat? an aisle was seat it... he was asking, and he looks yeah. like he's sitting in an aisle seat. Yeah, I he mean... just doesn't have the extra leg room. Now, Cam is also a big dude, so he's probably going to be uncomfortable. 10-hour flight does change it a little bit, but, dude, that's $1,500, man. 1500 yes. 1500 bucks. I'll go sit in the bathroom. Man, you can have my seat. No problem. Well, you want me to get you a soda, too, Cam? Whatever you need, sir. Like, for this $1,500, yeah. Would, knowing it's Cam Newton, assuming you know it's Cam Newton, maybe you don't, but assuming you know it's Cam Newton, do you try to up the price a little bit, knowing how much he's worth? Are you a Saints fan? <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, are you, are what's up uh, there? If you're an Atlanta fan, then I can imagine you'd be like, no, screw you, Cam. I, I like want which, to, which, I hope you are uncomfortable, and I hope it, I hope it shows in week six that you're uncomfortable. So I, I think what I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know in that situation if I would do this, but if I was in a creative mind and wanting to be a little bit, you know, stingy about it, I might go, look, Cam, I know who you are. You give me 3K, I'll switch seats with you. I think I would go for something like, uh, Give me your MVP. Trophy. I want some like um, I want I field side passes or something. I want to be on the field for a game. You fly me out, put me up in a hotel. We'll we'll make a deal. I'm not going that far because I don't care about the Panthers enough to do I, that. I think it'd just be awesome to be on the like I've I've never been NFL on the sidelines field, yeah. for an NFL game. That'd be awesome. Uh, I'll take the two grand or the fifteen hundred. It's I, cool. I, I would ask for a little more. We could haggle a little bit. But listen, if I just got fifteen hundred and it's international flight going somewhere, France, something like that, just what? I just got an extra fifteen hundred dollars to spend in France. You just paid for like wee oui, wee. Oui. Depending how long you're there for, maybe most of the things you're doing. There on you that go. Trip, if not, wee oui, wee. Oui. Absolutely, we can switch seats for ten hours. I'm oui. not tripping. Wee oui, wee. Oui. All right. That's gonna do it for us today. Thank you so much for listening. Last Rob Tires podcast. If you want to listen back to anything we did on the show, you can find it on 1080 com and the Radio.com app. We'll be back next week. And I will be one year older next Sunday. Yes, you will. I will be 30. Welcome to it. It's going to be weird. But that'll be next week on Sunday, 9 to 11 a.m. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Omaha! 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 This one's for Pat! This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law.